Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian. I'm on the phone with Ashvin. And today we are discussing When Evil Lurks from 2023, directed and written by Damien Rugna, starring Ezekiel Rodriguez and Damien Solomon. And in this Argentine horror film, when a possessed person shows up in their town, two brothers try to fix the problem, but dig themselves and their loved ones deeper into the depths of evil. If you're new to the show, we are going to discuss some background info on this movie for the first 15 or 20 minutes. We will keep that spoiler free, but after that, we will play some transition music and go into spoiler mode where we walk through the plot in detail and review the film. This was requested by Zach, and uh, is there's a decent amount of buzz around it in our Discord community. It had a limited theatrical release, I believe, on like October 6th, and then it came to shutter on October 27th, which is three days ago as of us recording this. So it released at around the same time as Five Nights at Freddy's. Two movies released at the same time for two very different type of horror fan. Couldn't be more different, I feel like, from a horror standpoint. Yeah. Damien Rugna has said, like, I make movies for horror fans, not for anybody else. <laughs> like, <laughs> Good for him. He, like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, he does. And I think, uh, I think horror fans appreciate that. I think this is getting more buzz on our server then Five Nights at Freddy's, even though Five Nights is destroying the box office. So yeah, there's there's different market segments to hit. Yeah, no kidding. I, I wasn't uh, sure like what the awareness of this film would be because uh, yeah, I, I think it did like hit some of the bigger theaters here, but I don't know like anyone around here who went out and saw it. But yeah, outside of our um, Discord, are you are you seeing buzz anywhere else? Um, just so, like online, you know, horror websites and stuff. But, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I mean, there's already some buzz behind it even before it came out because this director, Damien Rugna, did Terrified from a few years ago or known by its Spanish title, Aterrados. Uh And that was, I think, many regarded as one of the scariest movies of the 2010s. Yeah, I remember that one. I, th- I think we both uh, liked that one quite a bit too, like some great practical effects and cool like uh, scares. Yeah, I think we had some problems with the plot or lack thereof, but we agreed that it was legit scary. Yeah, visually pretty well done, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, he's back at it again, and he says the influences for this movie were The Road, based on the Cormac McCarthy book, uh, the film from 2009, The Evil Dead, and the Korean film The Wailing. This is... Different than Five Nights at Freddy's, which had, what, like a 29% critic score and an 89% <laughs> review or viewer score, because this has 99% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 57% score from viewers. Yeah, that viewer score, it kind of blows my mind away. It's so funny. Yeah, these are like polar opposites. They're, they really are. Yeah, the viewer score kind of puzzles me as well, but maybe some people are assembling upon it who are not the horror fans that that he made the movie for. And I, mm. I can understand having beef with the film, but mm-hmm. yeah, 57% was a little a little low. Yeah, yeah, lower than I would have anticipated. But yeah, shit, that 99% uh, critics, that's, that's, that's high. It must be like yeah. one of the top uh, horror film rankings for the year from Rotten Tomatoes. I, I think this will end up on a lot of people's top 10 lists at the end of the year. Sure, I could see that. Um, the box office, $542,000, but I don't really think that's... That means too much since it was such a limited release. Not only was it in limited theaters, but for a limited amount of time. Um, yeah, that's interesting because uh, you just mentioned on uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, that being released on streaming and in theaters at the same time. This one, though, you first had theater and then uh, streaming, which uh, different strategy, but yeah, still like way lower on the box office. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting strategy in itself, too. Just like, hey, we'll do this like... A little bit in theaters, then we're gonna put it, put it out on streaming. It's probably interesting just to get income tied directly to that movie. Like yeah. when you put it on a streaming service, there's no way to know right how successful it was. How yeah, I mean you can see how watched it is, 
But I assume they probably have some sort of calculations that it would be very difficult from a business perspective to, sh- to know what that movie's worth to you is. Right. Like, what it's worth to the service of Shudder. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's got to be hard to know. And I don't know. Personally, I feel like I don't know if I would have heard about this movie if it just went straight to Shudder versus had like that limited theatrical release. Um what, what do yeah. you think? I feel like Shutter puts out quite a bit over the year that, like, I, I never really hear about. They do, right? There's a lot of stuff that drops onto there that you just you don't know about unless you're scrolling through Shutter or unless you're on their emails or really keeping up with horror releases. But yeah, that's a good point. It could just build buzz about the film so that when it comes to Shutter, you, you're more likely to click on it, right? Um, and this is a Shutter production. It's not just that it's distributed on Shutter. They produced it. Uh, in co-production with Argentine companies Aramos Cine and Machacho Films. And this is Shudder's first Spanish language production, which is kind of surprising, but yeah, uh, yeah, makes sense. They've been around for like a, a few years now, so I'm, I'm surprised this whole time they haven't done a Spanish film yet. Yeah, and I mean, they have a lot of, they seem to have a decent amount of foreign horror on their service, but yeah, um, yeah I guess to actually produce one, this is their first time doing it. Mm. Uh, cinematography here was done by Mariano Suarez, who also shot Terrified, and the music was done by Pablo Fu. But boy, this kind of feels like an episode where this background section is like, maybe shorter than our usual 15 to 20 minutes because I didn't find a whole lot out there on this, and I don't know how much more you have to discuss before we get into the meat of it. Uh, just the one point around uh, how this was... Originally, just like a screenplay that won an award at a at a festival, and I'm sure that had a big part of it, like being greenlit and like getting Shutter bought onto it. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because he has said that he doesn't. I think we discussed this in our terrified review. Like he doesn't pay attention to structure in a movie, and he doesn't really care. So we're in our terrified review. We're like, oh yeah, that's actually pretty obvious. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but this one seems to at least attempt to correct some of those hmm. issues, or if he's not directly attempting to, this this has more structure than Terrified, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think generally with foreign films, I, I feel like our our interpretation of structure, our concept of it, is so like defined by Hollywood in in uh, Western uh, films that like we we kind of assume films like fall like an ABC type format or something, and it, that's what's always fun for me to watch like these foreign films is like, I feel like a lot of times they. Uh, go in different directions and it can be give it a more unpredictable feel which the you, you felt this one had more structure compared to terrifier I, d- I do think it yeah I do think it has more structure like the story itself has more structure and form to it than terrified which just kind of felt pretty loose just like random events happening yeah um right but I, I hear what you're saying and I think that we have some listeners and discord people like that too who kind of lean more towards foreign and avant-garde stuff because it's not following you could criticize this typical structure as you associate it with like big hollywood as being fairly mathematical lifeless like boring because it's yeah on repeat um i i don't feel that way I, i think the bad movies make it feel that way but good movies don't they find a way to make the same structure feel new um, but yeah, I can totally see see that being a draw to foreign horror and to to this guy's films. Sure, yeah, it's definitely something different about it. He's also set to direct a U.S. version of Terrified that's going to be produced by Guillermo del Toro. I almost forgot about that. Oh yeah, we talked about that in the episode, right? Like a few years ago. I think we did. I meant to look into the status of that, but. But didn't I thought it was supposed to be coming out soon? So yeah, same. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Okay. Anything else, man? Um, no, that was all I could find as well. Let's just dig in. Let's go through the plot. Okay. Oh, you got an Ohio connection for us? I got the Ohio connection. Don't you worry about that. Oh wow. Uh, Alex didn't let us down. Alex connects every movie to our home state of Ohio for us. Uh, he owns the jukebox bar and restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. So if you're in the area and you like delicious food and drinks, go check out Jukebox. 
Uh, Alex says, When Evil Lurks is an Argentine horror film written and directed by Damien Rugna about two brothers in a remote village who find a demon-infected man just about to give birth to evil itself. It premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival on September 13, 2023 as a part of their Midnight Madness series alongside films such as Dicks, The Musical, Sleep, and the experimental action film Agro Drift, directed by Harmony Kareen. Kareen, oh man, I hope I'm pronouncing that right because I know we got some film nerds who really are into this dude. Oh, yeah, Harmony. Yeah. Kareen is an acclaimed American director best known for his films Kids, Spring Breakers, and the 1997 film Gummo about a Midwestern town that had been previously struck by a devastating tornado. Gummo is set in Xenia, Ohio. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Did not know that about Gummo. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, I like that director a lot, too. I, his, I, his work's been pretty cool. I think I've only ever seen Spring Breakers. I think me, too, actually, which I liked a lot. I, I got to get back and watch uh, watch Kids. Uh, it sounds like yeah, a good I've heard I've heard a lot about Kids and Gummo. I need to check those out. Oh, okay. All right, man. Well, let's, let's dive right in. We're, we're not going to waste time. We'll get into everything and spoil stuff. So if you haven't seen this movie, go watch it on Shudder right now before you tune back in. But before we uh, go into spoiler mode, Ashvin, can you hold on one sec? I think I hear one of the kids calling me up to their room, and I have no idea where Kelly is, so I, I think this one's on me. Oh, okay, yeah, go for it. All right, I'll be right back. All right. Hey, buddy, I'm back. Hey, everything okay? Yeah, yeah, I got no idea where Kelly is or why she didn't go up there to help him, but my oldest son said he felt like he had something stuck in his throat, and he finally coughed up a whole bunch of hair and this necklace that Kelly usually wears. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Oh, I'm sure she'll be happy to know that you found the necklace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whenever you do find her. <laughs> yes. I think everything is resolved. I think so, Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this film opens with two brothers who hear gunshots late at night near their rural property, and the next morning they investigate to find someone's body torn in half in the woods and kind of just destroyed in general. They basically only find half of it intact. They wonder if it may have been a puma that a neighbor recently complained about, um, and they also find on the scene some arcane brass-looking tools as well as a book that contains a map to the home of a local woman named Maria. So our two brothers, Pedro and Jimmy, investigate Maria's house to discover that her and her young son have been hiding the fact that her oldest son, Uriel, is quote-unquote rotten, which we learn is a term for possessed that all the characters in the movie seem to be aware of. Like, they seem to know this terminology, the concept, and a bit of the lore about the possessed what do you think about that? That just is, this kind of exists in this movie's world. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really cool. I was trying to figure out like what it might be a, a stand-in for, but yeah, it's just like kind of accepted that this is a thing that happens. And they talk about like the how it's happened to like other places before and like wiped out like towns, and they're all like very scared of this happening to their town. Uh, but it's just like yeah, it's 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 so cool that this is like a natural type of uh, event that like they've heard others go through and that they're really scared of having gone through as or have, having to go through as well so yeah I, I was just trying to connect the dots with like what that could be a metaphor for but i, I kind of struggled there what, what about you oh man i didn't even think about dot connecting but i'm sure we'll get there in the in the tail end of the show yeah <laughs> let's find something <laughs> yeah yeah you always pull something out of your ass that really blows my mind <laughs> what, what did you think of that like this this lore i i thought it was interesting and it's it adds some allure to the lore because this is a foreign film. So you're like, oh, is this like in Argentina? People think this is a thing. I don't think so. I think it's just the movie's <laughs> lore. But I think so. It adds some uh, intrigue. Yeah, it really does. And the the usage of the word rotten, uh, like it's it's a stand in here for possessed, basically. Yeah, from what I understand. Yeah. Okay. So this this is kind of like a an exorcist type of film, then, right? It's a demonic possession film, for sure. Okay, okay, cool. 
Pedro and Jimmy ask Maria if she's done anything about this, her son being rotten. And she says she reported it a year ago and a cleaner was supposed to come out yesterday, a quote unquote cleaner uh, that would come out and get rid of the demon safely. uh, But he never showed up. Uriel, by the way, who is a rotten, (laughs) is all swollen and covered with pustules and has green phlegm oozing out of his mouth. He's totally disgusting. What did you think of this whole... This whole first 15, 20 minutes of the movie, like they hear the gunshots, they find the body, they find this nasty dude. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I loved it. I thought it's kind of like setting it up as a mystery in a way where, yeah, they're like kind of on a a hunt like to the bottom of something and and they don't really know what's going on and they're just like following these clues around. So it feels like we're in real time. You're just like on a journey with them to like discover uh, what happened the night before. Uh, which, which which is really cool. It gives it like a cool mystery vibe, and then yeah, you're suddenly you're just presented with like this out of the world like practical effects of like this guy who like looks so morphed that uh, it, it just it took me by surprise. It was like the last thing you're expecting, and kind of this uh, pretty realistic film so far. What about you? Yeah, I I was very into it. I was kind of struck by both the camera work and the narrative. Just felt a bit more developed than terrified. Gosh, I'm going to do that a lot. I I don't quite remember the camera work that well from terrified, but I do just feel like this this feels like a, like more mature movie already. Like I don't mean to insult terrified, but we got a cool steady cam shot going through the brother's home when they heard the gunshots at night, which is, yeah, you said it well, like it felt like you're there in real time going through what they're going through. Like, what what is that? Like, should we check it out? Do we wait till morning? And I like this, the tone with and the, the rural setting. It's just, uh, it was a good setup. Yeah, I, I think the setting for Terrified, that was like in a town or a city, right? So you're like, you're in people's houses where this one, you're like in this really rural area. And so even like the cinematography, uh, everything here just like looks really good, I thought. Yeah, more opportunities for for cool shots and stuff like that in this yeah. setting. Yeah, yeah, I love, love the the rustic and rural vibe. And so we get some more um, exposition ex- explanation type stuff here. We're made to understand that the cleaner would be able to properly dispose of Uriel and whatever possesses him without spreading the evil to anybody else. We also learn that the rotten first make the animals go crazy and then make the dead go crazy which is a bit of foreshadowing and and laying out of rules. But at the same time, this movie doesn't really follow its own rules very well all the time, so we'll kind of get more to that later. Anyway, the brothers tell Ruiz, who seems to be the owner of all the land that these characters live on, about this, this rotten dude, and he wants this guy gone. They're tempted to just kill him and put him out of his misery, and Uriel is, like, begging them to do so. But Uriel's mother warns them, like, no, you don't kill evil like that. It will only make it worse. You'll die. It will take over our bodies, take our souls. No, this is not the route to go. So Ruiz decides they should load Uriel in a truck and just drop him somewhere two to three hours away that is so no longer their problem. And they do this. So while they're driving, they, they're probably around two or three hours away And they get distracted and have to swerve to avoid hitting a kid on a bicycle. And miles later, when they they go, okay, this is where we're going to drop Uriel, they get out and realize he's gone. And they reason out he must have fallen out of the truck during that swerve. But they're basically like, whatever, we're far enough away. Wherever he landed, he's not our problem anymore. They consider the job done and they head back home. There's a little bit of concern here a couple of times that Pedro maybe has, like, touched him or gotten too close or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's going to play a role in what happens later or not or if it was just part of the the tension of, oh, everyone's got to be real careful. Yeah. I I mean, I think it speaks to, like, the the fear of... uh, uh, yeah, it, it is like kind of so undefined. You don't know how people get it. There's like a, a mystery to it. Uh, and yeah, even as you mentioned, there, there are these rules that you'll talk about later. But uh, yeah, they're, they're undefined and like they're passed down through generations. So I, I think I, I like it all because it kind of builds like this uh, just sense of paranoia. Like you don't, it's like you're scared of this thing that you don't really understand. 
Yes, right. It's definitely developing a good sense of paranoia, and it, based on terrified and what we've seen so far with this person torn to bits and just the utter disgustingness of Uriel, and like the pus and goop everywhere, that this movie isn't going to hold back when things do go wrong. Yeah. Um. So the next day, you know, they they thought, okay, we've hopefully solved the problem, but. Ruiz's wife is freaking out because one of the goats on their farm is acting strange. I'm not sure exactly what the goat is doing that tips them off to this, but both Ruiz and his wife are convinced the goat is evil. Ruiz gets his gun and is about to shoot the goat in the head, but his wife warns him not to shoot the beast with a firearm or he will condemn them both. And the goat seems to want this to happen. He walks right up to the barrel of the gun and he you know, does his bleeding sound. Hey, what, what drew their attention to that one goat? Did, did, did that make sense to you? I, yeah, that's what, I don't know. There were some questions about that on the server as well. No one, a couple of people were like, what did the goat do? They tipped them <laughs> off. And I think we just kind of missed. Yeah. We're led to believe something was off. This woman knew her goats well enough to know when one of them wasn't acting. Right? Sure. Yeah. And then he does like, I believe he fires a warning shot and they all run away except for that one who's yeah. just like there you go. staring him down. Right. So the goat's got his head right up against the gun. He baaaaz, and it seems like maybe it startles Ruiz, who pulls the trigger, killing the goat. And like a moment after he kills this goat, his wife smashes his face with an axe and then proceeds to repeatedly hit herself in the face with the axe until both she and Ruiz are dead. How, Both her and Ruiz. How incredible was that? Did you see that coming? I didn't see it coming that fast and that hard, but yeah. yeah it's I, like a minute it, later. Yeah, it was like <laughs> it was like a second after he shot that goat. That was just yeah. like boom, boom, like yeah. axe right in the face as soon as the gun fired. Yeah. Sorry was... for my weird sound effects. This is a great podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, that 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 was insane. That really shocks me. And then the way she like just runs her face, runs it into her face and like slowly like hacks her face to death. Many times, repeatedly, in her own face. Yeah, and it just kind of like slows down as she's like dying. But damn, that that was a I thought that was a very powerful scene. What, what did you think? Yeah, that was intense. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it is a horror, horrifying movie already. It is. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it just kind of shocks you because yeah, the movie's moving, uh, checking along at like real time, or you're having this like kind of uh, realistic dialogue going on and. Uh, just conversations happening and then suddenly just the brutality of these horror scenes. Yeah. Um, Uriel's little brother is the one to discover Ruiz and his wife dead and he reports it to Pedro and Jimmy that night and they agree that tomorrow morning they need to head into town, retrieve their family and get all of them as far away from here as possible because this evil will inevitably spread across the entire town. So they agree to do this the next day, and just for tonight, they reluctantly agree to let Uriel's little brother stay with them. Um, and he warns them, it's like part of this whole folklore thing, like not to use electric lights because its shadows call call in the evil. So that that is a rule that does seem to have some significance later, which we'll get to. Yeah, and I, I, my interpretation here is they turned off the lights and were just going off candlelight, but w- w- did they? Or were they still using electric lights? Did they? I think the- so. I, I think they cut the lights. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but the next day, Jimmy heads to town to retrieve their mother. The, the brothers both head to town. Jimmy's mission is to retrieve their mother, and Pedro's heading to his ex-wife's home, where she lives with her new husband, their child, their little girl, as well as Pedro's two sons. So the family is two sons by Pedro and his ex-wife, and then one daughter by Pedro's ex-wife and her new husband. So when Pedro arrives, it causes a giant fiasco, and his ex-wife is freaking out. We don't really know much about this guy's backstory yet, but we learn that she's got a restraining order against him and that he's violating that order by being here. So of course she's freaking out. He warns her that there's a rotten in town and that the town's going to go to hell very quickly and they all need to get out of there. But she's not really listening because it's just like, what the fuck are you even doing here? However, all hell breaks loose when the family dog attacks the daughter, 
grabbing onto her head and dragging her around the floor before eventually just running out of the house with the daughter in his jaws. (laughs) Crazy, uncomfortable moment that all the effects in this guy's movies... It's just like, oh my god, did that really happen <laughs> yeah, to that it's person? So real. It's yeah. so real. Yeah, I, I did you did you see that coming? Like, I, I love the way they're building the tension by like you know, there's all that like arguing going on, and then it keeps flashing to the dog and the kids. They're definitely yes. Was, was <laughs> it that making me well. nervous? Yeah, it was making me really nervous. I in my notes, I was looking back today, and I'm just like, oh shit, this dog's gonna kill this girl, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, right. Because they definitely are telegraphing that and and cutting back to the dog next to the girl and really letting you know it's coming. But when it comes, it's still shocking. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like a, a double whammy. Like, you, you know it's coming. You're, like, anxious about it. They're screaming in the background. They're not even realizing, like, that this situation's, like, going to blow up over here. And then... I thought the cinematography and the, the camera work and editing were just really impressive in that scene too because yeah. there's a lot of ways you could have done that wrong and not had to be as chaotic or tense of a scene or been like yeah this dog's gonna get her and it happens and you're not quite as shocked but just the way they pulled it off it was like <laughs> yeah, it's gonna get her it's gonna get her yeah well, maybe it won't get her oh fuck it got her <laughs> yeah 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 they, they nailed that very well executed mm-hmm Anyway, so now this dog has booked it with this little girl in its jaws, and the girl's father, who is Pedro's ex-wife's new husband, runs out of the house trying to find her while Pedro gets his sons in the car preparing to get them the hell out of Dodge. We soon learn that the daughter is okay, but her father ends up shooting the dog, which we know from the goat is not a good idea. The girl returns home to her mother, just appearing totally uninjured, and she's all smiles. And she cheerfully says to her mother, Daddy is going to kill you. He's going to come home in the car, and boom! (laughs) (laughs) That was disturbing. uh, Okay, very disturbing, and of course it happens. He comes home in the car and crashes into Pedro's ex-wife, pinning her against their house and killing her. Pedro, who is in his own car with his two sons, sees this as he's driving away, but hides the fact from his two sons who who are unaware that this just happened. And he goes to meet up with his brother, Jimmy, and their mother. And at this point in my notes, I wrote, this movie rocks so far, and I I do believe that it it does uh, so far in the movie. What did you think? I I agree. Like, uh, this was just taking you in unexpected directions left and right. And uh, the way it was like kind of slowly building up and then having these like horrific scenes pop out of nowhere was, uh, yeah, it was thrilling. I was, I was really enjoying this. Agreed. It was just chaotic, intense, scary, gory, yeah, menacing. And I also just having known what I felt about Terrified, I was appreciating like, all right, like the, the train is on the tracks. Like it, the lore behind the demons and everything maybe open-ended a little confusing or vague but like we know the story it's two two brothers shit started to go down they decided they need to come in town and get their family out of here and that's what they're doing like yeah it it's moving forward with the story in a meaningful way and i was whenever a movie can do that and feel chaotic i think it's great it's a feat yeah and it, i think that's the strength is like they're st- they're keeping you grounded in these two characters as, as the main driver it, it, it's mostly uh the one guy too right uh Pedro's the main character. Yeah. yeah Pedro's the main driver. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I like that. You're really grounded in them. Uh, and part of you, like, are you wondering if they're the ones taking this evil around? And, like, are they to blame for, like, what's happening? Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably, it feels almost obvious. Like, they came here to save them, but Pedro brought the evil with him. And I do think some of the doubts around, like, oh, no, like, I didn't touch it, whatever might take it it might help us piece together how it got to the dog like Mm -hmm. okay pedro may not have been possessed but he may have had like some trace of evil on him on his clothes and we had it foreshadowed that like hey the animals are the most sensitive to it Mm. earlier so it makes sense that now whatever touch pedro may have had in his aura or whatever on his person went to the dog then from the dog to the girl to the girl and especially because the dog was killed probably oh yeah right um or he killed the girl 
and she came back from the dead because it goes the warning earlier in the film was first it goes gets to the animals then to the dead mm. oh yeah that didn't quite happen that way in the goat scene because it went straight from the animal to to Ruiz's wife right but maybe there was a trace of it on Pedro it went to the dog the dog killed the girl and then you know the next from the animals on the hierarchy is the dead got it yeah so it went so to the, the little girl away. yeah and then when her dad killed the dog it went to him yeah wow there's it's all very vague how it transfers but you know as one one of his inspirations is the evil dead and it's not very clear in the evil dead yeah. who's possessed why how and when and i think that's an asset I think so too. Uh, a lot of times, I feel like that, that's where movies go wrong is by trying to like spell everything out or like why what what happens happens. But yeah, in this film, like uh, so much of this, I feel like is based on folklore, or, like just uh, rules that have been passed down generation to generation. Like you assume there's some distortion or like some misrepresentation, and like there are no rules here almost. Well, it's funny you should say that because here is where the movie stops doing that thing that we <laughs> say we like and leaves it to intentionally vague. Uh, all our characters are in the car. You know, Pedro and Jimmy are in the front seat. In the back is their mother and Pedro's two sons back there with their grandma. And uh, his son, his youngest, is in the back of the car talking to his grandma about demons and the lore behind them. And she describes seven rules to follow when it comes to demons. Number one, don't, don't use electric lights. Number two, don't stay close to animals. Some of the translation in this is a little weird. So, uh, Number three, don't take anything that was close to the possessed. There was some weird translation in there, but I think it basically means like, you know, objects can be kind of part of this too. And that's where I think Pedro, like maybe accidentally touching the dude is part of it or being in the same truck as him or whatever. Number four is don't hurt them which they may have done to Uriel when he fell out of the truck. <laughs> yeah. Number probably. five, never name the evil by its name. Number six, don't shoot them with firearms, which is redundant with don't hurt them, right? And then we don't learn rule number seven at this point, but we later learn that it is don't be afraid of dying. Okay. Yeah, I mean, do, do you feel like those are hard and fast, like seven like distinct rules that now like you're applying to the film and it has to follow? Or to, to me, this just felt like... Uh, um, I don't know. Yeah, just like a, like an old woman kind of like spouting uh, something she heard in her childhood. That's sexist and ageist, bro. <laughs> Sorry. I'm mean, like a grandmother. No, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It's just more like uh, um, what, like an old wives' tale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, that's sexist and ageist too. Yeah. <laughs> All Try I'm saying again. is yeah. you can't believe crazy old ladies. They're yeah. old. They're ladies. <laughs> Yeah. Two strikes. Um, <laughs> no, I yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It's just yeah, like folklore or you know, like my my the generation above me told me this because their generation above them told them that it gets distorted. Yeah. Right. Pass pass down the generations. Yeah. Verbal verbally. Um <laughs> all right. <laughs> we gracefully dug ourselves yeah. out of that hole. We made it, yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh anyway. Now the brothers are on the road with their mother and Pedro's two sons, and Pedro gets a phone call from his wife, which is, oh, wait, but to go back and answer your question, yeah, I was kind of looking for the movie to abide by some of those rules. Oh, okay, okay. Which maybe I, I shouldn't have bothered. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was just more like, uh, like this is what like a person would say at that time. Okay. All right. Uh, anyway, so the brothers are on the road, you know. Grandma's in the back with Pedro's two sons, and Pedro gets a phone call from his wife, which is impossible, ex-wife, because it's she was dead. We saw her die, but yet she's on the phone, and she's just totally insulting him and dressing him down the way demons do in some of these movies. <laughs> she calls him pathetic and says, you know, this is why I cheated on you, and you gave me a broken son, uh, which I haven't mentioned it yet, but their oldest son, Jair, is severely autistic, like he has trouble speaking and seemingly even like walking. Um, so, and this is like really fucking with Pedro. He's in tears, and Jimmy comes out as like, you know, get it together. Like the kids are watching. We can't let them know what's going on. They're kind of at a loss for what to do at this point. And Jimmy suggests that they go visit a woman he knows, 
named Mirta, and that she might be able to help them with this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That was a, so that was a Jim- cool phone call. I, I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that we have we s- kind of dissed the exorcist believer for like, oh, all these demons do is insult you and stuff. But I kind of like it in the Evil Dead when they like. Oh, I feel yeah. like some of their stuff really cuts to the core. It does, yeah. And I think what she was saying here really does too. Like, yeah, yeah. really kind of like knocks that. Yeah, who who he thinks he is as a person. Really fucked with him. Yep. So on Jimmy's advice, the brothers take their whole family to Mirta's house, and we learn that she is a former cleaner who used to get rid of these demons, and she let them all lets them all stay at her house. But that night, uh, we see as Pedro's youngest son is laying in bed with his grandmother that he accidentally breaks the electric lights rule because he's got a battery-powered teddy bear that has a little light display that comes out of the bear's belly and projects stars onto the bedroom ceiling. So the boy's dead mother comes into the room and carries him out the window. And once the family discovers that this has happened, Mirta suggests that Jimmy try to go after her and retrieve Pedro's son, and then Mirta and Pedro will try to locate Uriel, wherever he fell out of the truck, the original Rotten, and try to, you know, dispose of him and the demon possessing him that would presumably put an end to all this. Unfortunately, Jimmy discovers Pedro's ex-wife casually walking down the street and eating her son's brains. That was... (laughs) That was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And he hits her with a car, pinning her to a tree. She says something about like, oh, I I thought you loved me or whatever. And uh, that's that. Meanwhile, Pedro and Mirta go to the spot where Pedro believes Uriel fell off the truck. And they see a sign for a school, which Mirta directs them to. And she says, evil likes children and children like evil. What are you thinking so far? I'm checking in with you, taking your temperature. You're still as on board with the movie as you were after the first act? I'm still really on, on board because uh, I just feel like, the, and I think this goes back to what we talked about with the structure. Like, there's just so much unpredictability here. Uh, like, I have no idea where this movie is going. And so far, the journey has been, like, really rewarding. And uh, holy shit, the, the, the gore and, like, these kids being attacked, like, with the dog scene and then, like, the, the mother, like, eating the brains. Like, it almost feels like this movie has, like, no bounds on, like, how gross it'll go or, like, where it'll go, who's who's going to kill. So I'm I'm pretty freaked out in, in, in for the ride. How, how about you? Yeah, I was still very much on board, too. And I think that from what we've heard to, from our listeners already, knowing that we were covering this, I think a lot of people were kind of shook by this movie. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's had so- some trouble sleeping afterwards. Sure, yeah. It's not, not stuff yeah, we're used to seeing too often. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Mirta and Pedro come upon this school, and they find a bunch of seemingly possessed children. This is at nighttime, by the way, and they're sitting in a classroom staring blankly at the wall. These kids are. And one of the kids points Mirta and Pedro one way to find Uriel, and another points them a different way, at which point Mirta's like, hey, if they're trying to lead us away from the school, chances are Uriel is here, and they are hiding him from us. So they eventually discover Uriel buried beneath the stage in the school's auditorium, along with all the teachers who have been murdered, but Uriel is still alive. Hey, what was uh, the connection again? Like why um, a rotten would be, or kids would be attracted to a rotten, or a rotten would be attracted to kids? Did they ever explain that? Yeah, Mirta just says evil likes children and children like evil. Okay, that was it, right? That's it, which I mean is kind of in keeping with yeah. every horror movie ever made. For- <laughs> That's true. <laughs> just need some drawings in the mix now. Yeah, right? Like this, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Uriel, you know, his big, swollen, pus-filled self is sitting there under the gym's auditorium uh, after they kind of hack through it. it. He's underneath the wooden planks. And the children kind of advise Pedro, like, hey, you know what might help with this is a fire axe that is uh, in the other room. And he goes in there to find it, and meanwhile, Myrta's yelling at him, like, don't leave me alone in here. It's a trick. And the children end up locking Pedro in that room and then killing Myrta with a hammer. And they're dragging her body off and just casually, like, 
smashing her face with a hammer every like few seconds. It's like she's like they'll smash it and she's like pretty much dead and then like one of them will walk over again and just give another like smash for good measure and it's just like casually brutal it's yeah it's gnarly it really is they this guy like his the way he shoots violence and like horrific things is very unique he doesn't shy away he doesn't shy away yeah it's not like overproduced or anything there's like a weird like rhythm to it that makes it feel very natural uh yeah it's 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 shocking there, yeah, it's like there's not as much pomp and circumstance around it. Like, oh, here's a big horror mo- moment. Right. Which makes it all the more terrifying. It's just like, oh, that woman's walking down the street, reaching into a kid's skull and eating his brain. Like, <laughs> it's so casual. <laughs> oh, this little kid is just smashing that face with a hammer. And we see every moment of that as it's happening. Like the special effects team yeah, does stellar work. They really do. Yep. Anyway, Pedro gets out of the room and just annihilates Uriel's head with a, a blunt object from the uh, the cleaning tools. You know, the same brass uh, tools that the cleaner at the beginning had with him. Mirta was going to use those to try to, like, cleanse Uriel, but, you know, ended up getting smashed with a hammer in her face over and over again. So now Pedro's pissed, destroys Uriel's head, and Uriel's death is, is seemingly the cause for the birth of this evil, like to fully take its form. And a boy who looks to be about 10 years of age, give or take, seems to be born from Uriel. He's naked and covered in blood. He doesn't kill Pedro. He just kind of marks his head with bloody fingerprints and walks out of the schoolhouse along with the other kids. Pedro's alive and he returns home where his brother Jimmy his son Jair and Uriel's little brother are waiting for him. And Uriel's little brother confesses that he heard voices in his head a few nights ago telling him to kill the cleaner who was sent to help Uriel. So, and he says he even ate parts of his body. So we learn basically that the gunshots at the beginning of the movie were made by Uriel's little brother killing the cleaner at the behest of the demon. Mm. And when Pedro learns this, he asks the boy, well, okay, so also what happened to your mom like where is she now and he replies the same thing that happened to yours so that doesn't bode well for Pedro's mom and we soon learn the fate of Pedro's mom when Jair starts coughing up blood and hair and a rosary that was worn by Pedro's mother and it's clear that he ate her it was also foreshadowed earlier in the film that Jair was possessed because Mirta warned them of it And they were like, no, no, he's not possessed. He's just, you know, he's got this condition. And she, like, was like, no, and pointed to her hand, his hands, Mm -hmm. which were all kind of gnarled and misshapen. And she said that when a demon gets inside the mind of someone with autism, they can't quite figure their brain out. So they aren't quite as able to possess them in the same way that they can other people. But at one point along the journey, kind of while Mirta and Pedro were at the school, we cut back to Jair and he just kind of walked in from outside of his own accord and asked his grandma for a couple cup of tea and she was <laughs> which like really was freaked out right a weirdly terrifying scene because yeah. before that he could not he could barely walk he could barely speak right and here he comes and so in. to see him do that it's like okay the demon figured out his mind and right yeah yeah, we kind of kind of knew it was over for the grandma at that point, uh, and she like yes. looked pretty freaked out when he when he walked she, in. Yes, yeah, she was basically like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> yeah, I I thought this was uh, strange. Um, that uh, like, how didn't they realize the grandma was missing like hours before when they left uh, Mirada's place? Well, when they left Mirada's place, grandma was still there. At, they left grandma with Jair. Uh, yeah, but then don't they? So, so this final scene, I think they've now gone back to their own farmhouse, right? Yeah, that's true. They, I feel like they go to Mirta's and then go back to their farmhouse. So yeah. yeah, how would they not have been like, hey, by the We're, way, where's grandma? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that part kind of tripped me up, like uh, that they didn't realize the grandma was missing at this point. Or maybe they did realize she was missing and just didn't quite know what her fate was. Oh, yeah. And perhaps. he's basically like telling them like, hey, yo, <laughs> I ate my mom and... Yeah. And your mom got eaten too. Right, right. Yeah, that could have been it. That makes sense. So the film ends with Pedro going outside, now knowing that, like, 
him and his brother are the only people left in their family. And he falls to his knees and he's like wailing into the night and the movie ends. Yeah. I thought once the movie laid out the rules, it started becoming a slightly weaker film. Mm. And then once they went to the school, it became a not much weaker film, but it was like the, the trajectory it was going on it just kind of petered out. It, it kind of felt like the the film collapsed under its own plot a little mm-hmm. bit. Did you feel any of that? Uh, I definitely feel like the first half was much stronger. Uh, and I think because the first half, they're running away from something that they don't understand. And like, they're trying to like alert people and it's something's chasing them. The second half, like, yeah, them going to the school or uh, him chasing down the mother who's eating the son. At that point now, maybe you're less scared for them because now they're now, like, uh, chasing this evil down to try to end it. And, yeah, that kind of pulls out some of the uh, the, the scariness of, of them being chased. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of just wish they hadn't gone to a school because mm-hmm. it's just, I think the the what we're loving about this movie so far is this is not like other horror movies. It's it's going right for the jugular. It's brutal. It's like a horror lover's horror movie. And then to end up with a, at a school with possessed children, it's like, that feels like a little bit of a cliche. And it seems so inorganic and disconnected to the rest of the events. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we got to find go find Uriel hey, there's a sign for his school. Maybe he's at the school. <laughs> and it, it just kind of feels like a jump. Like, yeah, we didn't know until then that kids and evil had any sort of thing. Yeah, it's kind of a new thing. That's part of, I, I could have seen that being part of a different script too, like a whole different movie, like right. that, that, that sequence. Uh, I thought visually, though, it looked really cool. Like just seeing a bunch of kids sitting in a classroom, staring at a wall at night, like no lights on. Uh, it, was, it was a cool idea, but I, I see your point that like it breaks from everything we've seen so far. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I I wouldn't want to revoke the moment of the kids casually hitting this woman's head with a hammer, right? Because <laughs> it's like one of the most disturbing moments of the movie. I just don't really like that the final showdown takes place there at this school when we just nothing nothing's been about a school or about kids. I don't know. I mean, the kids are victims, and yeah. they are kind of possessed when we learn that the little brother is the killed one. the cleaner. But Yeah. That's the thing. I think kids are... There's a big motif in this film about kids. Uh, they, they play like a like an integral pl- uh, point towards the plot. The whole reason he goes back to his town is to save his kids. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the kids at this school. And then the, the demon being born as a kid. I feel like the, this movie's trying to say something about how scary kids can be. Or something. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Very well any any be, theories yeah. on on like what what he was trying to get at with all these kids? Yeah, I mean, it could be like a parenthood, fatherhood type thing too. Like they hint that the ex wife was kind of lying about some of the stuff that Pedro did, so that she could keep custody of the kids. Hmm. And she's when Pedro returns, she's like scolding him, like we don't hear from you for four, or like you you're gone for four years, we don't get a dollar, right? She says, like, you gave me a broken kid. So I think there could be something here about, like, the weight of parenthood. and Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think you get some of that dynamic, too, with the grandmother and then the two brothers, too, and, like, how they're interacting with each other. Uh, there is, yeah, I feel like there's very, like, kind of family theme to this. And I that's one thing I like is, like, this all is, like, centered around two brothers and, like, their family and, like, trying to save them. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess I just, in between that and, like, spelling out the rules, I just feel like if they hadn't spelled out rules, I would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But then they are spelling out the rules, and, and Mirta is kind of like the standard, you know, medium or... Uh, she's kind of a cliche role in, in and of herself. Is she? So I, 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 I think the was... film accidentally backs into these cliches. No way. Uh, Mirta, I, I'm also confused because, like, uh, so she, her, she the the reason they know her is because Jimmy used to, uh, like, they used to be an item, right? Jimmy and Mirta. 
Yeah. <laughs> but she's like a much older woman. It used to be an item. Oh, man, you just like <laughs> were 80 years old for a moment. They used to be an item. They used to go together. Right? <laughs> yeah. They went steady for a while. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought that was like a really uh, like interesting like dynamic of the film. Like uh, just, yeah, I mean, she was way older. He, he was younger. Uh, and like, I, I think that's like a conversation that like, oh, yeah, I was younger. She was also younger. So I, I thought that kind of played into some theme here about uh, age and adolescence, maybe, or, or something. But you felt like she was more of a typical, like, kind of tropey character? Yeah, I mean, I feel like she's kind of like a Lorraine Warren type, you know? Like, yeah. I know the rules of the demons. You listen to me and what I tell you about the demons. Yeah. Follow my lead, and I, I'm the one that can, in touch with the other side, that can save us here. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, between that and, and the creepy kids, it, I think it just went away from being as original as it was and starting to tread upon some some cliches, which is fine. You know, I, I'm a movie that touts the fun of cliche yeah. movies and predictable rides from time to time. Sure. But it just felt like the movie we were watching became slightly, slightly watered down. I, I still am a fan of the movie as a whole and was still on board but it had it been whatever it was for the first half of the movie into the second half i think it would have been like perfect yeah that would be cool i part of me wonders like how they could have kept that momentum up because to me the, the first question. half feels very similar to like uh the beginning of like a zombie film sometimes it's like you're, yeah you're running from something you're trying to save some people and get out of town as quick as you can uh, and like, yeah, the world is like kind of crashing around you. Uh, can you do that for the whole film? Or like at one point, do you have to kind of like pause and then like uh, figure out like how you're going to solve for something or re- reckon with the demons that are popping up? Yeah, right. And, and I think like the mom was really creepy. Oh, man. Sabrina. And so, that's, yeah, to have to send Jimmy after her. And have it kind of just be a throwaway thing. I mean, it's not a throwaway scene. It's still really creepy. But to have the final showdown be with Uriel, who's just a big blob, mm-hmm. something about that takes away. Like, Yeah, from Sabrina and, and that what's going yeah, on there. Yeah, like she's yeah. the creepiest thing, and she's got his son. Yeah. She's got his son. It, it feels in... It feels weird, too. Like It feels like a movie that shouldn't be picked apart on, like character logic but why would you send your brother to go get your son. your son yeah who's been stolen by a demon while you go with someone else to try to find a dead body that may have may or may not have fallen out of your truck at a location you may or not yeah may or may not accurately remember right yeah that is really a strange decision to make you, th- you think the father would be more uh, passionate about going to get his son yeah, yeah. and then they could have had like a an intense moment there too, but he just kind of becomes aware at some point off camera that his youngest son is dead. We don't even get the grief of that. You're right. Unless we count the, you know, culmination of all the grief at the end of the movie when he realizes he's basically lost everybody. Yeah. Right. But we never see him learn like my youngest son is dead. Right. Right. My baby is dead. Yeah, and that would have been a way more effective uh, dialogue piece when when he uh, like when their brother runs over Sabrina and she's like, "Oh, I thought you loved me." That would have made a lot more sense if it was actually Pedro. Yeah, I car. really just feel like that should have been Pedro, or should have been all of them together. Like, maybe they could have all done that together, and then then got into the <laughs> Now they're in a desperate place, and like, yeah, we got to find Uriel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then really you know you could have uncovered another neighborhood where people were possessed or mm-hmm. there were animals acting strange like i just to have it be like hey look there's a sign for a school <laughs> feels Evil inauthentic to the rest yeah. of the movie yeah 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 that's true that's true uh yeah third act probably the weakest in in this film and yeah. uh yeah it's, it's unfortunate because the, the build-up to it, it's so good sometimes it's so easy to talk about a movie's shortcomings um but I, I love this movie. And the reason I sometimes harp on a movie's shortcomings, too, in this situation is because I'm frustrated. Like, ooh, this could <laughs> have been so, perfect. It was so close. It was, it was so right close. There. And then I just yeah. felt like 
some stuff went wrong, but that that gives the whole review a negative tone. When when in reality, I'm I'm up on this movie. How, how are you feeling? Yeah, pr- pretty strong. I mean, if it's you know, despite like kind of the flaws you're mentioning, which I think are valid, uh, it's, it still feels like very original, especially in a year where we've had like so many uh, like repeats of, of stories or franchises installments coming out and stuff. So that was a really cool original story, and yeah, like the, how you talked about the kills, like just just brutal, and uh, he he doesn't shy away from showing it. So I, I thought all that works, even in the last act. Uh, I I thought the purpose was maybe showing like how unhinged. Pedro was starting to get like I mean he attacks like a schoolgirl, uh, and then um, yeah he like basically like abandons Murta when she's like begging him to stay there, uh, which like leads to her death. So you kind of like stuck with these characters that you're just watching unravel, and then that final scene is just him like on the ground uh, wailing. So I I liked it from that standpoint. It's just like the downward trajectory of of your main characters. Yeah, and I mean, Pedro really is his own worst enemy. He keeps making horrible decisions. He would have been better off calling them and saying, hey, something <laughs> horrible is about to happen. Yeah. Get as far from town as you can. Yeah. Maybe they wouldn't have believed him, but he goes there and brings the evil to their doorstep instead. Exactly. And then like moving the moving Uriel against all all warnings from everyone who seems to know anything about right. demons. Yeah. I know, it's so interesting, because, uh, I mean, moving Uriel wasn't necessarily his decision, right? It was uh, Ruiz, the, who I think, I got the impression, like, Ruiz was, like, the landowner, and, like, everyone kind of, like, lived on his land or something. Yeah, yeah, I think he was basically, the, essentially their landlord. Yeah, right, and it was his decision. So, for, I, I was wondering about, like, uh, these two brothers, like, how much of this was their doing versus were they just caught up in a, a system of, like, the, you know, the police didn't do their part, uh, they took, like, a year to, like, kind of... They, they'd like, this has been reported like a year ago, but they never acted on it. The landlord is the one that made the decision, like, let's try to move the body. And ultimately, who's paying the price? It's it's uh, these brothers and uh, obviously Maria's family, too. So. Yeah, that's true. They're kind of uh, victims of the the powers that be in their decisions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I, I was re- reading an interview, and I, I think uh, one of the uh, ideas behind this film was he was trying to say like what if uh you take like the exorcist um like someone's possessed but like in a rural area where they don't have access to like a priest or to the church or to like uh to a city or like to like amenities and stuff and so i, th- I think it's kind of cool how they've played that out here which 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 is a lot of fun to watch yeah i read him say something like he just wanted to take religion out of a possession movie and i think it's cool that he kind of added his own weird in place of religion, like some sort of lore behind it. Yeah, right, right. And the the cool, it's actually kind of cool, like these brass mechanisms that we never learn what they do or how they're used. But yep. I'm kind of cool with that. Yeah, and like only certain people know how to use them. And that that's the part that I thought was really cool about Myrta. Like you compare her to um, Lorraine, right? Uh, Lorraine is like uh, a trained person uh who like yeah who you typically see like brought into these movies murtai i think her ex-husband her ex-husband was the the person who used to uh do these types of uh procedures so even she's not like really professional at this stuff right like maybe she knows a little bit more than pedro does but i feel like she's also a, a bit of a novice at what she's trying to do here my understanding was that her and her husband did it together it sounded like they had a religion kind of a fraudulent religious endeavor going where they were kind of faking people out like they Uh, hired actors to freak out and like have spasms or whatever and mm -hmm. they would like quote unquote heal them oh right and then one of the people like they thought he was a paid actor but then he was like barfing on them and they were like wow something else is going on here Oh, right. That's how they went down the, this path of becoming demon hunters. Oh, okay. So and she they did it like... together for a while until her one day her husband didn't come back from a cleaning. Mm, okay, okay. Interesting. Okay, so she is like a legit demon hunter. She is, for real. Got it. Okay. Which, yeah. also, I mean, it sounds cool. Like, oh, they they find a demon hunter. But at the same time, she's just uh, a bit of a horror movie cliche at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, but I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. But I, I was pretty spooked after this movie, and 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 like disturbed, uh, and I, I kind of liked like as as yeah as 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 off the rails. The third act maybe went uh, in an unsatisfying direction. I, I think that last shot of like him just like 
being broken down uh, was pretty powerful. Did, did you think so? I think so, too. And I think the performances were pretty powerful all around. Everyone gave a pretty good performance. Yeah, great performances and, and great dialogue, too. I thought like the, the, the conversation they were having with each of the parties they would meet along the way felt like very real. Yeah, it did feel real. Everything flowed very naturally. And yeah, I mean, it's heartbreaking in its own way. Not only is it brutal, but yeah, this is a family who is kind of a broken family. And Pedro is now off on his own. And maybe he wasn't a great father, but he clearly loves his kids. And he kind of has to even remind Jair that it's him, partly probably because of Jair just being so severely autistic but also probably maybe hasn't seen him in four years so yeah he's an estranged father right yeah it's a it's kind of a sad sad story for pedro and for the family and then everything just falls apart yep it's 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 pretty emotional yeah uh zero to five self-inflicted axe wounds to the face what do you give this uh, I think I give this four and a half self-inflicted accidents to the face. I think it's a horrifying film and it preys on the fears that live inside of its characters. Uh, beautifully shot and an original story with brutal kills that haunt you even after the film ends. So I, I, I really enjoyed it and felt really tied or embedded into the to characters, which, which made a big difference. How about you? Nice. I gave it four out of five self-inflicted axe wounds to the face. I think Rugno once again gives us a glut of horrifying imagery and intense sequences, but this time with the addition of character depth and a story that is well-constructed, though not without a few flaws here and there. But yeah, I mean, all in all, I've spent a lot of time picking it apart, but very exciting movie. Again, refreshing after this year. I'm starting to be not down on 2023, and I knew... It would be a while before 2022 had its peer, but 2023 is just not looking like a great year for horror. I'm excited to dig through some of the more on-demand and streaming films. I feel like there's probably some great movies lurking there that we haven't seen yet, but 2022 theatrically killed it, and the theatrical releases in 2023 have not been very quality. I know, I know. You just look at like the scores we've given like the last like few uh, new releases, uh, and yeah, it's all been like twos and threes. Like nothing's been like that amazing. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've have some like buddies that have started coming to horror movies with me, and I've just been like, I'm sorry. Like we, <laughs> I promise there are good ones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I don't like bad things. I swear. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, I know. Uh, ho- hopefully, uh, things turn around, and, and this movie's a really good sign. I hope, I hope there's more stuff like this coming out soon. Yeah, it is. It's a breath of, of fresh air. So hopefully, there's more uh, lurking in in uh, streaming services and on-demand services that we just haven't checked out yet. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Hooray for a, a really good 2023 movie. Yep. And uh, that is it. That has been our discussion on When Evil Lurks. Uh, if you want to connect with us, go to horrormovieclub.com and click on the social links drop down. You'll find links to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter where we announce what we're covering next week. You'll also find a link to our Discord server where you can hop on and chat with other fans and listeners. You can talk to them about this movie if you want to. Um, our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart. You can check her out by searching Amy Mae Popart, all one word, on Etsy.com. Uh, we've got a Patreon, so go to horrormovieclub.com and click on the big orange button. Subscribe for a dollar a month, and you can gain access to some bonus episodes. We recently covered 1997's Anaconda, as well as Halloween 4 in the past month or two. Um, and until next time, if one of your neighbors is a bloated, pus-filled mess, don't load them into the back of a pickup truck to drop them a few hours away. Any other tips what you should do with them? Common courtesy. <laughs> uh, I got a bunch of rules, but I don't know if they're going to apply or work out. Oh, uh, yeah, no one knows. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crapshoot. Never name the evil by its name. That certainly never came up in the movie. You oh. could argue some of the other ones were pertinent. Oh, that did come with a movie. Remember the the kid, uh, yeah, uh, the, the older son in the backseat. He kept repeating the name of the demon. Oh, that's and true. I, I, I and then Jair he, was repeating it himself. Yeah, and I think that's why he Jair got possessed. 
because because I, he spoke the name of it. Okay, all yeah. right. So, uh, yeah, I I think that was some of the criticism on the Discord that the the rules don't matter. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were obvious about showing us how they mattered, but yeah, they did. It's real and life. And shouts, "Hey, yeah. don't leave me alone in here!" Oh yeah. I think maybe she was afraid of dying, and uh, she died. She died. <laughs> That's like what happened. Yeah. yeah. So I think they really pretty much got all these. Yeah. Don't be close to animals. Don't use electric lights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Huh. They that makes me kind of want to retroactively <laughs> add a half a star. But I'm gonna stick with my four. For following the rules. For following the rule. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. That sounds stupid. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just felt like okay, this is gonna matter, and it didn't. But turns out it did. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs>